Well, let's make our confession. We are glad to have all of you here today. The beginning of, how many visitors do we have with us? I know I met one all the way back there in the back on this section, over in this section. We have a miracle visitor over here. I know he didn't want any recognition, but let's give him a hand and all, all the way back there in the back. We're here every Sunday, 9, 11 o'clock, midweek, 6.30, exciting services. And we thank God for all of you being here, for all of you visitors. We always have said that if you have a church, stay where you are, be a blessing to them. If you don't have a church, stay where you are, be a blessing to us. We would love to have you. We make this confession before every service. Are you ready? I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are in front of me. I have the victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen to that? Yeah, let's give God a hand. You can be seated. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. Praise God for all of you. You know, I had the first service give praise for our worship team. They do a good job. We can do it again. Give them praise. But also, let's pray for all of our sound tech people back there that make them sound good and look good. And for all of the overhead, we're glad that you're all with us today. We had a great first service, and I know that God has a message for you in uh, this service, too. If you have your Bible, you can uh, turn to the book of, of Matthew, chapter 7. We're going to be reading there in just a, a few moments. But the, the word of the Lord today is that we are here on assignment from God on this earth, but for a very short time. It's like a vapor. It just comes and, and goes. How many of you realize that time seems to be fleeting by? And that sometimes the older you get, it's like, where did all the years go? Well, the years are the same. They keep going, but it just seems like time goes by so quickly. But while we're here, we have an assignment from God, and today we're going to talk about your number one assignment from God, and that this is what I believe we will be accountable for when we stand before God. And it's important that we have this revelation. The world will tell you that it's important that you get an education and that it's important that you get a jo good job and you make a lot of money and you have a nice house and you have a savings account and you have money saved up and all of these things. I don't believe when you get to heaven and stand before God, I don't believe he's going to ask you how much money you made. I don't believe he's going to ask how big your house was. I don't think he's going to ask how much money you saved. I think he's going to ask you, what did you do with the number one assignment that I gave you? And I believe the number one assignment that the Lord has for all of us is to understand and embrace his love, accept that love, and take that love everywhere that we go. And we're going to talk about that today. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it, it is a scripture that, I don't know how many of you know this story or not, but when James, well, let's just read the scripture first and then I'll share it with you. But in James chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, it says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do, do also to them, for this is the law of the prophets. Jesus had been talking and teaching as he always did. 
and telling the people about that if you ask anything from God, he, he would do it for you because he loves you. And that, you know, a son would never uh, ask his, his, his dad for a loaf of bread and his dad would give him a rock or a person would not ask somebody close to them in the, in the family, to, uh, I, I would like a ha to have a fish and they give you a servant. That's not the way God operates. God wants to meet our everyday needs. And then he summed it all up by talking about what was the, the, what we call the golden rule. I don't know how many of you know this story or not, but when the J.C. Penney Company started years ago, back in the early 1900s, it was in Kimmer, Wyoming. And it wasn't called the J.C. Penney Company, it was called the Golden Rule. And James Cash Penney, and that is his middle name, uh, uh, had, had a, a, a desire, and, and he felt a, a mandate from God, to start a retail store. So in Kimmer, Wyoming, he started the first store that eventually became the J.C. Penney Company. And in that store, he said that we are going to dedicate this store to the glory of God and that we're going to run it by the golden rule and that everything we do will be based on how people would want to be received and treated and how we would want people to treat us and that we will sell our merchandise at the lowest price possible with the smallest markup possible. We will treat people with love. The customer will always be right when they have a challenge or a complaint and we will meet that complaint and that his stores pros prospered and it, one of the early books about James Cash Penny is called The Merchant Prince. I have a copy of it. When I got out of the service, uh, my first job before I went over to Purdue was with the J.C. Penny Company. And uh, I, I loved it. And we were thoroughly indoctrinated in James Cash Penny and how he ran it. He, he said at the time, when he was alive, he's in heaven now, but he said at the time that the J.C. Penney Company stores will never be open on Sunday. And then people continued to press him and press him and press him and pressure him. And finally, he, he responded one day in an interview. He said, the, the, the J.C. Penney Company stores will never be open on Sunday over my dead body. Well, when he died, very shortly, about a few months later, the J.C. Penney Company stores all open on Sunday. A lot of people leave their first love. And this is a little sidetrack, and we're going to talk about it next Sunday as we celebrate on that Sunday uh, our Independence Day. But America is a country that was founded on Christian Judeo principles and the love of God. And if you stray from your original intent, eventually you, you will get God's attention. And the J.C. Penney Company today is in trouble. Sears is in trouble. A lot of stores and companies today are in trouble. And I think it's very interesting, and this is not the message today, but I just feel to share it, that a lot of the com companies that started out with Christian principles strayed from them over the years. Sears and Roebuck, serious trouble. How many of you know, how, how many of you know that the Sears and Roebuck, that the Roebuck was from Lafayette, Indiana? How many of you know that, the, the, the Roebuck part of Sears and Roebuck? Uh, West Lafayette, I believe. But, but, but anyway, they're, they're in trouble today because I believe a lot of them have strayed from their original intent and that a lot of the people are buying on the Internet and techno technology has taken over and buying clothing on the Internet and all. But the com companies that prospered that were founded on Christian Judeo-ethical values at one time in our country tremendously prospered. 
what is one of the biggest prospering country companies today that has not been affected by the internet and by online shopping? Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby, one of the most profitable companies in the world. Totally closed on Sunday, totally dedicated to the will of God, and totally living the word of God in their business, and prospering like mad. Chick-fil-A, prospering like mad. Totally closed on Sundays, the one day you cannot close a chicken restaurant on Sunday. The only thing I ever have thought about Chick-fil-A is that sometimes on Sunday after church, I am hungry for a Chick-fil-A, and I think, darn, i got to wait till Monday, hallelujah. But I thank God they stay true to what they believe God showed them. I don't believe that everybody has to do something and close on Sunday. I believe if God tells you to and you dedicate your business to him and he tells you to close on Sunday, you better do it. Let's all say it's all about love. Now, the message today is this. If it's all about love, then what you and I need to do is determine what is our assignment in this process. Well, obviously, we know we've got to understand God's love. And that was one of the hardest things for me to understand as a new believer when I got saved. And that was that how could God love me because I knew what I had done. And after a while, I knew that he knew what I had done. So how could he love me the way it said in his word that he loved me? If we go to the book of Matthew, chapter, uh, chapter 22, we're going to read there concerning this. There's a book out, by the way, it's an old book. I doubt if you can even find it, but if you can, I highly recommend it. It's called The Merchant Prince, and it's a life story of James Cash Penny and what will happen with a man with a vision that gives, gives it to the God and believes that God's in it and begins to pursue it. But you and I have the ability to influence lives everywhere that we go. And in Matthew chapter, uh, in, uh, chapter, 12, verse, uh, chapter uh, 22, verse 37, Jesus is responding to being asked, what is the greatest command of all? Well, if, if there is a greatest commandment of all uh, in, in the law, and Jesus, the Son of God, is getting ready to say it, then that is our assignment. That is what our plan and our purpose on this earth is, so we need to pay attention. And what he responds with, is he's saying right here in this verse that uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, like it, is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these commandments, this is the law of the prophets. In other words, this sums up everything that the prophets told about God. This sums up everything that you and I need to know. And that Number one, we, we love God. God loves to be loved. Everybody say, God loves to be loved. I, I had shared this in the first service, but uh, I love it when my wife says, I love you. Uh, I, I love it, I, and I know she loves it when I say I love her. You, you just, there's something about love that is powerful and that we all need to hear it. And then it says that we should love ourselves. We, we love ourselves with the love that God loved us with, and then we let that love flow through us to other people. Every person on the face of the earth share the two same dominant desires. You have a desire to be loved, and you have a desire to love. That is in your DNA. Tell your neighbor, that's in your DNA. Why? Because you are made in the image of God, and God loves to love his creation, and God loves to be loved 
by his creation. My wife is not here, so it worked better in the first service when I could use her as an example, but she was talking to one of her friends the other day on the phone, uh, kind of late at night, and uh, Bonnie lives out in Oklahoma, and, and, uh, and she was getting ready to finish up the conversation, and she said, Bonnie, I, I love you, and, and then she, uh, as some women do, went on talking after they said goodbye, and, and, and then... <laughs> And then, and then she kept on talking, and pretty soon I heard her say, Bonnie I, Bonnie, I love you, and then they kept right on talking, right on talking. You know what men do, they say goodbye, and that's it, and <laughs> women just, I don't know. Uh, and, and anyway, so she kept right on talking. Well, I just happened to hear it, and, and she was up to like four I love yous, maybe five, and this thought came through my mind. She only told me once that day that she loved me. And all of a sudden, there's a part of me that is like, well, I wonder why Bonnie got four or five I loves you, and I only got one I love you, and I know my wife loves me. But there's something about hearing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's true. There's something about hearing. I was with a guy just the other day, and and uh, he, he was going through some challenges, and I was talking to him, and, and he wasn't this kind of guy that would probably say this. For whatever reason, guys think they're you know, I, I don't know what they are. They don't say, I love you very much. They just kind of, you know, we don't like to hug sometimes. Some guys don't like to hug a lot, don't like to say I love you and stuff like that. Some of us could get a little bit more of a feminine trait to us in that regard, I think. But this guy was not the kind of guy who would say I love you. And, and so anyway, I was talking to him and did some things. And then a little bit later, we prayed. And it was about four or five hours later, I got a text from him. And he just said, you know, thank you so much for taking the time. It really, really blessed me. I just, I just want you to know, Pastor Bill, I love you. I was, I was having a little bit of a down day. How many, can I see the hands of all the people that sometimes you have a down day? It's just like, you know, three of you. Thank you for the rest of you. <laughs> the rest of you obviously are lying. But, 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 but it, was, it was one of those kind of days. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I read that. And when I got to the part when it said, Pastor Bill, I love you, it's like, it was like a shot of adrenaline. It was like a shot of adrenaline. Everybody likes to hear that they're loved. It's something in the realm. It's more than a word. It is a spiritual force that goes forth when we love people unconditionally, which means simply there are no conditions. So everybody on the face of this earth has a desire to be loved and a desire to love. And you'll be attracted to people that are like that. You always will be. You heard my story about, um, about the situation with David uh, Wilson. He's not here now. A gentleman we found behind um, Walmart one day living back there in, in the wooded area. And he now has an apartment. Uh, he's doing well. His Social Security has kicked in. Uh, everything is really going great for him. We need to give the Lord a hand. God has done an awesome job in David Wilson's life. But he has used he has used people in this church to love and embrace that man because he's been through a lot. You never know what people have been through until you really have an opportunity to know them. And so we, we know what the Word of God says, that we are to love people unconditionally. And I want to give you a scripture here because uh, it, it, it is just so relevant in my life. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Uh, we are all about helping people in this church, doing whatever we can to help them. Benevolence, Chris is busy all week long with our benevolence outreach and, and everything that, that takes place there. And uh, you just never know 
what, what effect you can have on somebody when you love them. And uh, so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus is talking about the importance of love. And it says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Matthew 5, 44. I have felt that the Lord has been speaking to me about really he's going to send more hurting people in here, more people that are really down and out and that we'll be able to reach out and touch them. And shortly, actually it happened almost simultaneously with David Wilson. When David, uh, when we found David or God brought him to us, uh, there was also a, a, a service that we had that uh, Aaron and, and Chris were here, Campbell, and uh, right after that service, they went out back, and they were uh, out back leaving after the second service, and they were here for quite a while afterwards. And when I went out to see them, there's a guy walking down the street that obviously looked like he was really hurting and having some challenges, and he was talking to them. And, and they, were not, they were going home back to Arkansas, so I decided to go ahead and intervene and talk to the guy and talk to him for a while, and he, he, was, he really had some challenges. And so I uh, was able to help him through the help of you and this church get a place to stay for a while, uh, take care of him for a while. And some of this story I, t I told last Wednesday. And then, uh, and then take him to a temp service and, and get him a job. Now turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about love. And just tell him, tell him and this guy is preaching on love. And, and so, uh, so I... Uh, so I uh, we really helped, the, helped them out a great deal. And to make a long story short, we found out that he had been continually lying to me. He didn't get the job that we thought we got for him because he didn't want to go to work there. He didn't want to do it. And he squandered a lot of the money that we had given him to help him and it really didn't go well at all. And then he came back again and wanted help, and I explained to him that, you know, that if you were not going to do what you needed to do, then we weren't going to help you. And uh, so he just turned around and left, and then shortly after that, he called me up on my voicemail on my cell phone, and he left a message for me. And it was an R-rated message that I can't share with you. But he told me what he thought about me. He told me what he thought about God. And he went on and on and on. As I'm listening to the message, not only do I not want to help him, I want to shoot him. <laughs> I am just so perturbed at this guy that, number one, he would talk about God like that. Number two, that he felt that he could share all of that vile stuff about me. It wasn't like I was crushed to hear it. I've heard the words before, but I've never... How many of you have ever been cursed out to where that's even tough language for me to take? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so I'm really, really upset with this guy. And I said, well, I didn't say anything because it was a voicemail. 
Fast forward a couple of days past that, my wife and I are at this little restaurant next door. And by the way, if you like tacos, and don't lose your train of thought now, okay? Stay focused here, but I'm getting hungry. And, and, I, and a taco sounds kind of good. They got the best tacos next door. But the, anyway, back to the story. My wife and I are sitting there in the front window eating a taco, having a great time, just fellowshipping. It was really, really a nice time. All of a sudden, I look up, and I see this guy, Terry, coming toward the church. And so I just instantly, in a flash, jumped up, and she said, where are you going? I said, i got something to do. And I w went out there, and I, I met him in the parking lot, and I began to tell him what I thought. So now we got his profanity, and mine not quite worse his was. But I told him what I thought about him. And so he got on his bike and rode off. And I thought, boy, that would teach him a lesson. <laughs> Put my gun back in my holster. <laughs> so then I was out praying, getting ready for this weekend. And I felt like, <laughs> I felt like the Lord took me to uh, Matthew 5.44. And I'm, I'm reading this verse. It says, love your enemies. Terry qualifies there. <laughs> bless, bless those that curse you. He gets two stars there. <laughs> do, good to those to, do good to those who hate you. He qualifies there too. Pray for those who spitefully ease you. You've got to be kidding me, God. <laughs> he qualifies in all of those and persecutes you. That is Terry. I don't want to do that. Now, I wish I could tell you that sitting in my car in this spiritual moment saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that word. But when I heard that, I said, God, I don't want to do that. And it was as if God said, I understand. But if you don't love them, I'll get somebody else. And I said in my car, and the guy that a few days earlier I wanted to shoot, I'm crying over. And I'm thinking, I don't know what he's been through. He wasn't born like that. Little baby we saw just a moment ago. That's how old ba all babies are born. They're born beautiful, innocent, ready to take on the world and be all God's called them to be. Beautiful little girl over there, fascinated by my preaching, I can tell. She is gorgeous. She is beautiful. And got kids over here too. We got kids everywhere. Hallelujah. They're just flocking in here to see this old guy. But anyway, what, when I began to read that, and, and I read it again, and I thought, you know, I don't want to do it, God, but I know I want to. Does that make sense? I know I want to. And I know it's the thing to do. I believe all of you have your Terry. Somebody in the first service, I won't point him out, came up to me afterwards and said, you know, when you said we all have our Terry's, guess what mine's name is? And I said, well, it must be Terry the way you're asking. He said, yeah, it's, it's Terry. How many of you got some Terry's in your life? Can I see your hands? They're probably assigned to you by God. They're probably somebody that in the natural realm you can't even stand. You can't understand them. Uh, truthfully, there, I would never shoot Terry. I wouldn't mind beating on him, but I wouldn't shoot him. <laughs> but, 
But he was that kind of guy. Paul said that everywhere I go, I drag around this old man. I wish I didn't drag around this old man, but I do. And when I jumped up that day at the restaurant, I, I mean, I was on a mission. It wasn't a good one. It was a bad one. And, uh, I mean, we went from a peaceful conversation, having a good time, just glowing at each other. And, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, I let my distraction come in there when I should have been praying for Terry because something has happened in his life. And I don't know what it is, but God does. And that God probably, not probably, I think God wants to use me in his life. So I got to go find Terry. And I got to, and I got to repent for the way I talked to Terry because no matter how Terry talks to me, does not and should not affect how I talk to Terry. Does that make sense to you so far? She is saying, I can tell baby talk. This is amen, brother. Preach it. Give her a hand. She is gorgeous. That was amen, brother. Preach on. I could tell. <laughs> now, I, I, I want to share that God has those people. I don't believe you have to look for them. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I know that. <laughs> they have already found you. After the first service, a lady walked out the door. And she said, you cannot believe what I'm going through at work. I said, well, tell me about it. She said, I have, it happens to be a lady, friend, not a friend, but a lady that works there, says, she's a Terry, and she's driving me crazy, and I just can't stand her. And she's telling me all of the things she's doing wrong. And I said, what are you going to do about it? She said, well, after this morning, I guess I know what I'm going to do. I said, what are you going to do? She says, I'm going to love her. And she said it like that, I'm going to love her. <laughs> I thought, you might want to be just a little softer with that love. But I said, you'd be amazed at what would happen if you took her out to lunch. She said, well, before today, I would have never taken her out to lunch. You have the ability to love people no matter what they're doing. And love will never fail. It will never return void. 1 Corinthians 13. It'll never return void. And that no matter how people treat you, it should not affect how you treat them. See, when the world was full of sin and turning their back on God, uh, the reason I shared that earlier about corporations and all, corporations represent people and, and corporations that are founded on godly principles that begin to change their ethical values and way to do business, they'll start to lose the, the hand of God on their business and the prosperity that God wants them to have. Same thing is true with countries, and that's what we're going to talk about next Sunday. If America begins to lose its love walk with God, and we begin to turn our back on loving God the way God wants us to love Him, then we'll start to not love people and we'll, not, and we'll have division in our country. Would you say for most of us we have more division in our country today, especially politically, than we've ever seen before in our past? In Lafayette, Indiana, I think we live in a bubble. I think we still have a lot of love, a lot of families, a lot of Christ-centered th things going on. But in the country as a whole, no. In the world as a whole, no. And what is the biggest problem? The world needs what we have. 
We have the answer for the world. Tell your neighbor, we have the answer for the world. And that is to walk in that love. I heard this uh, the other day, uh, just a few days ago. I'm not sure where it was. It was somewhere down south. Some of you might have read about it. But this lady was coming through a McDonald's window. And as she got up to the window, she happened to look in the rearview mirror, and she saw a man in a car with uh, several children. And she just t felt a compassion and a love for him and told the person at the window, said, I want to go ahead and pay for uh, his food. All of you have probably heard stories like that or had something like that happen. I want to pay for his food. And they said, oh, that's great, paid for his food. It was 163 cars in a row that the man was so impressed, he paid for the car behind him, and that car paid for the car behind them, and it just kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. Couldn't and wouldn't love do the same thing, just letting that love flow everywhere that we go. When, when we uh, were in, in Tulsa, it was my first encounter with ministry. I had just gotten saved. I thank God my wife walks and has walked with unconditional love for me because when I first got saved, I was rough around the edges, and so were you. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, so were you. And, and, but she'd walked with the Lord a lot longer. And, and I, I don't, I was going to look at that scripture again, put that back up there again. I don't think, I probably used some pretty bad words, didn't I, in the very beginning from time to time. But I'm not, but I've changed, right? I, I have changed. But I, I love those who love you. I mean, I'll, I'll love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who love you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. There were probably some times in the very beginning when you wondered, what the crap did I marry here because of the way I would respond. I'm not supposed to use the word crap. My wife told me to stop using the word crap. i got to stop that. I've got to stop that. We'll X that out of the tape. Okay, it, 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 but, but, I, but I was very difficult. There were times I was very difficult to love. You wouldn't say that, but I would. I know that's true. And, and, but, but her love, would, no matter what I would do to lose it in front of her, it didn't affect the way she treated me. It was like it, was just, it didn't, didn't register with her. Sometimes I would wonder what's wrong with you, that it's not normal. You should be able to fight back, but she never would. And then I realized that's the way God has wired us. You are wired with God's DNA. You have a desire to be loved. And if you aren't loved, that desire is going unfilled. Now, if you're not married or you don't have somebody that seems to be loving on you, God will fill that void. No question about that. But what you've got to understand is that you've got to accept that love from God so you can love yourself. And, and our assignment is threefold. Number one, to love God because God thrives on our love. He wants our love. He, he is love. God is love. So it's that DNA going back. So let's talk about number one. I love, God. I love God. Number two, you, you love yourself. And that you love yourself as God loves you. And God loves you without condition. So when you mess up, don't let that condition of messing up affect your love that God has put in you. Because if you do, it won't flow out to other people. It'll, it'll dam up within you. And then number three, love people. God loves every person on the face. God loves the Terrys of this world. No matter what they're doing and how bad they've messed up. How many of you have more than one child? Can I see your hands? 
How many of you realize that every single one of your children you love the same? They don't all bring you perhaps the same amount of joy. How many of you can say amen to that? <laughs> they may not all bring you the same amount of joy, but you love them all because they have your DNA and, that, and, and you love your creation that came out of your body. And so therefore, God loves us to love him. And when we get this right, it'll change our life forever. Now, I want to I go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Years ago, oh, I'm sorry, I started to go there a, a moment ago when I said we were on staff at Victory. When, when, when I first got saved, went out to Tulsa, uh, I thought everybody who knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior was probably like Jesus. And I was learning how to be like him, failing a lot, but learning how to be like him and I found a whole lot of people in the body of Christ who seem to be anything like but him. <laughs> How many of you have encountered some people that knew Jesus in your life that were anything but compatible with you? In other words, there are some serious opportunities. And, and for a while, I was really shaken out there because there were some things that would be done that it's like, man, th this just doesn't seem right. I remember a lady who told my wife one time she came in to bene for benevolence help at Victory in Tulsa. And my wife at that time was over benevolence. <clears throat> and, my, and I forget how much the, the lady wanted, but she was given probably half of it or something like that. And, uh, and she was really upset with my wife. And she told my wife, you're not acting like a Christian and you aren't even going to go to heaven. And, uh, you know, it's just like. Uh, that might fit under spitefully use you or something like that. But, but then those people, you have to love them because we don't know what made them like they are. Turn to your neighbor and say, we may not know what made them like they are. We don't, we don't know what they've been through. There's an old song years, years ago. What is it? Walk a mile in my shoes before you criticize and choose. Is that how that goes? You don't know. Okay, that's all right. Now, let's get back to, let's get back here to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. What I was going to... What I was going to say, too, about we were coming home from Tulsa one day years ago to visit. And we were, uh, we were on this. It was late at night. No, we're going back to Yeah, we're coming home from Tulsa. And it was really late. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. Everybody's asleep in the car. And I go into this, I get gas at this gas station, go in and pay this guy. He looked like he's about 80 years old. And I paid him. And I, I was just really in a hurry to do my thing. A lot of times we can get in a hurry with our business, with our life, with our priorities, with our list of to-dos that we neglect the people that God has put right in our path. And we get too busy being busy. I don't believe we'll ever be accountable for what kind of a business life we held on this earth. I believe we're going to be accountable to what happened to the people God put in our path. How many people did we walk around? How many people did we do not like the Good Samaritan, but we did like the priest and the Levite? We went to the other side of the road. And this one particular time, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning. I went in, paid for the gas. I was tired. Everybody's asleep in the car. Came back out, got in the car, got ready to leave. And this is what I heard. What about that man? What about that man? And I heard it over and over again. And I thought, oh, God, I just want to get home. I don't want to go to bed. And, uh, but I felt like the Lord wanted to go in and, and tell this old guy about Jesus. 
And I thought, ah, he probably knows Jesus. How, how many of you? <laughs> can I see the hands of all the people who can relate so far? <laughs> he probably knows Jesus. I'm tired. So he wouldn't leave me. So finally I went back inside. I'll never forget this guy. I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? He said, no. I said, well, would you like to receive him? He said, no. I thought, I got out of the car for this. <laughs> I, I said, why, why not? And he said, because I'm the only person here. I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, don't you have to do something? Do I have to go somewhere? And I said, no, no. We, we can do it right now. And he said, well, I can't close my eyes. And uh, I said, you don't. I said, I said, why? And he said, I'm the only one here. And I said, okay, the place is deserted. And I said, you don't have to close your eyes. He said, I don't. I said, no. I said, we can do it right here. He said, well, let's do it. I led him to the Lord. He, as soon as, as, soon as he finishes that prayer, he starts crying, just sobbing, almost convulsing. And I'm sitting there thinking, and I wanted to drive away and get home. And then I get ready to leave. I said, well, I have to go now. I love you, but remember, God loves you. He said, oh, don't go yet. He said, please pray for my wife. And then he's got me praying for his wife. He's not doing well now. One moment's encounter with the love of God changed not only that man's life, changed my life. Because too many people are busy being all about themselves. And I don't mean this to come across hard on anybody, but a lot of times we use this scripture in James chapter 3, verse 16. It says that where there is self-seeking, there is confusion and every evil work. And a lot of times we think about that as every evil work and people doing bad things. I believe that applies to anybody who's thinking more about themselves than their assignment of love on this earth. And that if I'd gotten in that car, and I'm not saying I haven't missed God, I am sure there are other guys I've missed along the way, and I believe God in his infinite love and mercy has forgiven me and assigned somebody else to do what I was supposed to do. God is not going to let people go to hell. God is going to assign them to somebody. But I think sometimes all of us can get so busy in our own little world that we forget the very essence of our life. It's about sharing the love of God everywhere that we go. It's not about a to-do list. It's not about a job. It's not about making money. It's not about us. It's all about Him. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is of love, and everyone who loves is born of God. And then it goes on to say in verse number 8, that uh, verse number 8 is where it says, For he, do, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 22 times we're going to read the word love. Blessed, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, 
God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us the Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior for the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And then verse number 19, we love him because he first loved us. If you read verse 17 and 18, it says, The perfected love of God in us has done away with all fear. That that fear is gone because we have the love of God in us. So you and I are on assignment from God. Let's all say, I'm on assignment from God. Tell your neighbor, I already have my Terry's. Some of you got more than one. Let me see the hands of you. You know more than one Terry in your life. You got somebody. And God is going to show you how to reach that person. God is going to show me how to reach Terry. I believe Terry's going to be in this church. Terry's going to be here. And God has me on an assignment for that guy. Because not only is God going to use me to help Terry, God has used Terry to help me. Let's all stand to our feet because the assignment of love is such a powerful assignment. Every single one of us have somebody that we know that in the natural realm we would say, oh no, please give this guy, give this girl to somebody else. But God has given them to you and God is going to show you how to break through. God is going to show you how to love them and God is going to change their life. And this is the best part. In you being used by God to change their life, God is going to use them to change your life. It is a no, no-lose situation. It is a win-win situation.